I wanted to build up pre-orders. And so we came up with this contest or this drawing and there were going to be different tiers of winners if you pre-ordered the book and I made sure that the pre-order price was 99 cents. Hey there, this is Stephen Campbell, and you are listening to The Author Biz, where we discuss meaningful ways to get better results with your author business. Thanks for being here. On today's show, we're taking a sort of a deep dive into the launch strategy for the fifth book in a series that hasn't had a book published in 10 years. You know the old story. Uh, Author gets contract. Author writes books. Books sell. Books don't sell enough. Publisher cancels the contract and the series disappears. The author moves on. Happens, well, it used to happen all the time in the old world of publishing. So the question is, is it possible to breathe new life into one of these series? I've seen it happen several times with series that I've enjoyed reading over the years, Uh, Some of the relaunches were successful, some not so much. But this is what we're talking about today. Today's guest is Libby Fisher-Hellman, and Libby wrote four books in her Ellie Foreman mystery series, uh, the last of which was published in 2006. Then she moved on, wrote another series, wrote a number of standalone novels, and had an idea for, uh, for a story that would fit perfectly with Ellie's world. So she wondered what would happen if she wrote a new Ellie book. Would readers remember the character? Would they care? Would or could a new book re-energize sales of the other four books in the series? Well, as you'll hear in the interview, Libby really believes in the new book titled Jump Cut. So in November, she put together a marketing and launch plan for the new book with a scheduled release date of March 1st. In this episode of The Author Biz, we'll be taking a deep dive into Libby's plan to relaunch her series after a 10-year break. No matter where you are in your publishing journey, I'm pretty sure you're going to find some of what Libby's done useful for your next launch. But before we get to that, I'd like to thank some people for leaving iTunes reviews in the past few weeks. It's normally not possible, at least for me, to figure out who's leaving the reviews. So if you want to leave a review and let me know <laughs> who you are, I mean, you could, you could send me a tweet, send me an email, let me know, or just leave your Twitter handle in the, uh, in the review. That would be great. I'd love to give you a shout out. But anyway, whether you do that or not, I really appreciate the reviews. Just like Amazon reviews, positive reviews on iTunes tickle that algorithm and make the show visible to more people who could benefit from listening. So thank you so much to Audiophilly, Simple Steps IT, Cluck, Lint Hatcher, and Four Girls and a Dog. She calls the show Outstanding. So happy to have recently discovered the author biz and binge listening my way through the excellent interviews found here. A wealth of information for authors navigating the ever-changing publishing industry. Thank you, Stephen, for your highly useful podcast. Well, thank you, Four Girls and a Dog, for leaving that great review. And thank you so much to Audiophilly, Simple Steps IT, Cluck, and Lint Hatcher. And I am curious about Lint Hatcher. That's an interesting name. Anyway, 
Uh, time to get on with the interview. We'll have show notes, as always, at the Author Biz website, which is theauthorbiz.com. We mention a number of, of different resources in the show, and I have links to all of them in the show notes. While you're there, please sign up for the Author Biz email list, which will be coming out a lot more regularly beginning this week. All right, that's enough from me. Let's get on with today's interview with Libby Fisher Hellman. Libby Fisher Hellman, welcome to the Author Biz. Thanks, Stephen. You and I did an interview for CrimeFiction.fm, and as a part of that interview, I was researching your book called Jump Cut, and I noticed all of the different things that you were doing to promote the book, and I noticed that this was a book that had been – or a series that had been dormant for 10 years. And I remember getting an email from you because I'm on your email list, and as we preach on this show all the time, the importance of an author's email list, I went to that email and looked and saw a list of things that you had been doing to promote the relaunch, essentially, of the series with Jump Cut. And so mm -hmm. I thought this would be a great opportunity to talk about the reasons why you brought the series back and the process that you've gone through to bring it back and to market the book prior to your launch on March 1st for Jump Cut. Right. Thank you. Um, be glad to um, answer any questions you have or go through what I'm doing. So let's let's start off with the why. Uh, normally when something like this happened, a, a series goes dormant. We're talking to writers here. Uh, normally when a series goes dormant, uh, especially back in the day, it's because a publishing contract wasn't renewed. Was that the case for you? Uh, initially, yes. Yes and no. Uh, I have a kind of weird situation. Um, my first four Ellie books were mass market books, and they were with Berkeley Prime Crime, which is part of Penguin. However, before the first one came out, Berkeley and Poison Pen Press made, a, made an agreement whereby Poison Pen would bring the books out in hardcover. One printing, that's all. Mm -hmm. um, and Berkeley would bring out the mass market. And that situation persisted for all four books. When Berkeley dropped me and said, we don't want any more Ellie books in mass market, Poison Pen said, oh, don't worry. We like Ellie. And in fact, what we'll do is we'll bring them out in trade paperback. And so you won't go out of print. And they literally saved my career. I mean, I owe it all to Poison Pen. I really do. Um, those books are still in print, in trade paperback. And Poison Pen has the um, rights to them, and I am thrilled that they do because, as you well know and, and your listeners well know, um, selling print books is the hardest part of self-publishing. So I'm, I'm just delighted that I didn't have to do that. When I, why did I bring Ellie back? Well, it was mostly the story, which involved surveillance in what I call the post-Snowden era. And I knew from the minute I was going to write a book like that, that Ellie, because of her background, she's a video producer, would be the only character that could anchor it. I mean, I have a couple of, I have another series and a few standalones, but it was definitely an Ellie book. And what is amazing to me is that people are kind of excited that she's coming back. I did not expect that. I expected, you know, there's a whole new you know, school of readers and they wouldn't know her and 
who cares anyway? And I guess I was a little wrong. Well, speaking as as a reader of all types of crime fiction, I love crime fiction. And, you know, back in the day, a series would go along and we as readers would bond with the characters. And then all of a sudden it would just go away. There were there were no email lists. There's no author website to find out what was going on. Just the series. There weren't any new books. Right. And we didn't know what was going on. And, and in this new era of publishing, where if you're able to get the digital rights back to the books, uh, you, you can relaunch a series. And all of a sudden, I started seeing these series that I loved back in the day. All of a sudden, there's a new book. And mm-hmm. it's like, woohoo, there's a new book. And you read it, and all of a sudden, you're right back where you were a decade or 15 years ago with the character. And 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 they can continue if there's enough popularity. And inevitably, what I see is when this happens, there is this pent-up demand for the books because people don't forget. Well, I guess not. I was I was I'm delighted with that. I, I do have to say one other thing that worked in my favor. Um, when I was publishing with Poison Pen, this was pre-digital, pre mm-hmm. pre ebook, and it was just starting. And my and Rob offered us the choice of whether we wanted to keep our digital rights or whether Poison Pen could use them. And I just kind of said, you know what? I'll keep them. Who knows? You know, I had no plans <laughs> to use them. And when was this? What what this year? Was, well, it was before Amazon, or it was right when Amazon was starting, but there weren't any ebooks. So I guess it was 2006, maybe, wow. something like that. You, you made a, a very good choice. I, dumb luck. <laughs> totally dumb luck. And the same situation uh, prevailed with Bleak House, who I who published two of my, my first two Georgia books prior to that. They said, well, we don't really know what we want to do with this stuff. And I said, okay, I'll keep them. So who knew? All right. So you decided I have this story and it, it fits perfectly in, in the Ellie Foreman world. So mm-hmm. I, I'm going to write this book and I'm going to relaunch this series and so what did you – well, first I'm going to throw something out because I, I thought it was fabulous and we'll probably get back to it. But all of the marketing that I've seen for your book uh, includes a tagline that says the 10-year wait is over, which is a terrific way of flipping the whole problem of, hey, we haven't had a book for 10 years around <laughs> to an opportunity for readers because, hey, the 10-year wait is finally over. So that was sheer genius, whoever came up with that. Well, it was a friend of mine, so I have to give her the credit. So you decided to do this, and you wrote the book, and you you've, have come up with a, a fairly elaborate marketing plan. So let's sort of talk through that, uh, if, yeah. if you don't mind. When did, when did you actually put the plan together, and then we'll just sort of walk through it step by well, step and all the different things you've done? First, I'll tell you that the book you know, is going to be out very soon, within a week or so, and I'm exhausted. <laughs> I need a vacation. It's been more exhausting than actually writing the darn book, okay? I mean, I first started thinking about the plan back in November. When I when Poison Pen told me that it was going to come out March 1st, I, I started, you know, and I knew that six months in advance, I started thinking about the plan in November. And the first person I called was Dana Kay, who some of the writers might know is a PR publicity person in Chicago. 
she mostly works with traditional authors, but um, she and I have gone, we go back a long way. And I said, I want to buy an hour of your time and I want to talk about what, what I should do other than what we all know we should do anyway. And she came up with a couple of really good ideas, including an op-ed, because there's a subplot in the story that has to do with an ethnic minority group in China that it has not, the Uyghurs, who have not really been talked about much in the mainstream press. So there were some ideas around that. There were some ideas around um, what I should do with my email list. And this, I think, is uh, what your listeners will really enjoy. Um, I wanted to build up pre-orders mm-hmm. for the book. And so we came up with this contest or this drawing And there were going to be different tiers of winners if you pre-ordered the book. And I made sure that the pre-order price was 99 cents. And in fact, that 99 cents, this may, I may kill myself afterwards, but (laughs) I'm holding the price to 99 cents for the first six days that it's out. Oh, you may kill yourself after that. Yeah. I know. What can I say? (laughs) I, but um, I already have taken out a ton of ads and say it's only going to be 99 cents. So I'm doing that. Um, and the pre-orders are 99 cents. So between the, 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 the prizes for the drawing or something like one person gets to name a character in one of my next books, I'm giving away 25 free audios. I'm giving away a dozen hardcovers from the, of the, of an L, a prior Ellie book. Um, and then everybody gets a custom-made book plate. All right. So this is a lot of work for you. I mean, it's, it's one thing to just send an email out saying, do this, and you're entered in the contest. Uh, but you've actually got to come through at the end. You've got to deliver all of this stuff. Oh, I know. Oh, tell me about it. Well, I knew I could deliver on the on the audios and the hardcovers and the character naming. And I had a, my graphics guy, the guy that did the cover, um, did a book plate for me. And so, yeah, I mean, it it all came together. But then that was just the beginning. There was my email list, but then there are all the other audiences and potential readers Mm -hmm. out there in ebook land. And how was I going to get to them? And in traditional book land. And so I, you know, start with the audience. Who are the audience? Where do they go? What's going to turn them on? And I, I'm doing a blog tour, which I've never done before. And I know it doesn't really boost sales that much, but I figured it was a way to get me in front of new audiences. Um, I've always done blogs with the same old audiences, you know, mm-hmm. other mystery writer blogs and a couple, you know, suspense magazine. And I'm not disparaging them because they're wonderful, but it was kind of, I was in a very small niche within the field. So I really wanted to broaden my reach and that's why I'm doing the blog tour. And, um, I, well, how, how are you broadening your reach by, by doing the blog tour? Are you going out? You're going outside of the traditional. I hired, I hired a company called goddess fish, which came highly recommended by Joel Friedlander. Okay. Who's, who's an ebook guy, um, that does the design templates for print books. Mm-hmm. And I, I read a blog, you know, by him. And, um, he said, if you, if you don't have a lot of money and you really want the best for your money, go with goddess fish. And there's, there's 
all sorts of blog tour companies, but they've been terrific. So I went with them for both what they call a pre-order blitz and for the blog tour. And I'm in the middle right now of writing blog posts. In addition, I pre-wrote about seven or eight blog posts on different aspects of issues that were raised in the books for people who might want something like that. I wrote an op-ed. I wrote, um, I hired a publicity person who um, is getting me some gigs on different blogs and radio shows like yours. I really pulled out all the stops on this one. I've spent a heck of a lot of money um, so yeah, having it at 99 cents for the first week probably isn't the best idea. Do you have placements for all of this content that you're producing already? Like you, you, you're, you're mentioning op-eds and, and all of these different blog posts, are they, they all have home? The op-ed we are still trying to place because I'm basically a nobody and, you know, somebody's got to take a flying leap of mm-hmm. faith that the op-ed is going to work for them. But all of the other blog posts um, have been, um, yes, they all have places to go. Kobo's doing something for on um, uh, bringing back a series character. Writer, uh, Writer Unboxed is doing something on how my writing has changed in the past 10 years. Um, and then I'm doing, uh, you know, Stupid Spies. I did a funny, a funny blog post on spies who have really messed up. I've, I'm doing a couple blog posts on, on um, encryption and the news recently about Apple um, refusing to um, give the FBI a backdoor into their iPhones with the, one of the terrorists is so right on. It is so much part of the Ellie book. Um, so, you know, events and what's going on in the world is definitely helping me there. And is this you sitting in a room with the light on coming up with this, these ideas, or is this you in partnership with your PR team? It's really in partnership, but most of the ideas were mine. A couple of them they shot down, and they said that that's not going to work. Um, but like I'm doing, how to how to take back your privacy? Um, Edward Snowden did a whole thing on that, and I sort of excerpted that as a blog. So yeah, I mean it was a it was between all of us. Um, my publicity team suggested that I do something on female characters and what makes them unique. Um, I've done that. And then just by happenstance yesterday or a couple of days ago, I did a blog on where are all the female thriller authors? Because even though there are a lot of female thriller characters and protagonists, those books tend to be written by men still. So I I was having a very spirited discussion with Gail Lynn's and we were saying, yeah, there really needs to be more female authors of thrillers. So, so I'm doing that. Uh, let's see. I'm doing signings in, uh, in and around the Midwest, except for one trip to Florida because I definitely need a vacation. <laughs> oh, I have a review crew. So I have no idea how it got this large, but it's 350 people. And they get everything I write free as long as they leave a review. And how do you manage that? I mean, that's that's a lot of people and a lot of reviews to track. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, we have, you know, automated systems where they post where they're putting their review. Okay. And I also have a Facebook page with them, with half of them. Half of them are on this Facebook page, and that's a great way for me to keep in touch with everybody. And when did you, when did you start this group? Um, well, I had a street team mm-hmm. maybe uh, two years ago, and that really didn't work out too well. So I just kind of renamed it the Review Crew. And um, I have a lot of, and a lot of people were much more interested in that than the street team. So it worked out. I started it, I guess, with Incidental Spy. So it was about seven or eight months ago. Really? Yeah. So you you have 350 people on this team in less than a year? Yep. Wow. Yeah. And how, how did you initially attract them? Is this from your email list? Yes. Well, the street, there was like 36 people on my street team and Mm -hmm. they all came over to the review crew and yeah, then through my email list. And then I think I might've done some Facebook ads. I don't remember, but what has really, I picked up about 50 people. No, more than 50 people. Cause as I remember when I brought out incidental spy last summer, there were only about 200. So I don't know. I just kept plugging at it, you know, with my email list. You know, there's a there's a there's a a fine line between being a good marketer and being obnoxious. And I am always very very cognizant of that and hope that I'm not going over the line. I'm sure I have a couple times and people are just too polite to tell me, "Hey lady, you're just doing it. You're doing too much." But I'm pretty cognizant of that line. Or I try to be. Let's put it that way. All right. Let's take a minute here and, and talk about your background because I think it ties into some of the marketing things you're saying. Uh, you know, this is this is not something that you come to cold from a, a you know spending your your pre writer career as a dog catcher or something. Like my protagonist Ellie Foreman, we were both in broadcast news, mm-hmm. and both of us left broadcast news. Ellie uh, reluctantly, and me not so reluctantly. Well, no, that's not true. We were both kind of relieved of our responsibilities. I ultimately moved to a PR firm. I moved from Washington D.C., where I had grown up and was working, to Chicago at that point to join a, a public relations firm called Burson Marsteller, and. I stayed there for eight years because in broadcast news, I'd had like six jobs in eight years and I wanted to prove to myself that I could hold a job. (laughs) So I stayed there for uh, eight years and they kept me there. I'm still not sure why. No, it was it was really the best training for all sorts of things that a, a person could have. I learned how corporations worked. I um or didn't work as the case may be. Um, I learned what issues they were willing to speak out on and which issues they weren't so interested in speaking out on. I learned how to behave in a corporate environment um, and hopefully not raise a lot of flack. Uh, It was just a fabulous, fabulous experience. You know, my mom had told me when I was still a broadcast journalist, you know, and I was trying to decide whether to take this job. She said, you know, you always think that you're going to have more impact when you're a journalist and that you're going to change people's minds. She says, I'll bet you have more impact behind the scenes. 
and in the corporate corridors. And you know, she was right. Hmm. I felt that one of my jobs was to train people for interviews, for TV and print interviews. So I trained a lot of corporate executives in what to say and how much to say and how much to reveal. And I think I really had more impact in telling these guys, yeah, if you made a mistake, say you, you screwed up. But then, you know, marry it to something positive that you're doing so that, you know, the end result is that the audience will say, okay, he screwed up, but look at what they're doing now. They're not so bad. I mean, you know, it's not easy to feel warm and fuzzy about a corporation, but that was sort of the way I approached it. All right, and, and let me let me jump in here and say one thing about Jump Cut. I had the opportunity to read Jump Cut for before the crimefiction.fm interview, and I really, really enjoyed it. So if you're out there listening um, <laughs> and you want to say thanks for being on the Author Biz and thanks for actually jumping in at the very last minute because I had a guest uh, who who was supposed to be here who had some some health problems and was unable to be here. So we have a show this week. Uh, because Libby was was willing to come on. So uh, the book's 99 cents. Grab a copy. You will enjoy it. Um, Thank you. So let's let's get back to to the marketing stuff. You're coming sure. at you're coming at this with a background in public relations and marketing, and you're sort of leaning on uh, some friends that you have in the business to give you ideas. And you've put together this plan, and you know we're about halfway through it now. All the different things that you've done, you're not quite as exhausted as you are here today when we're recording on February seventeenth. But we're not halfway done yet. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. So. Oh, geez. All right. I launched, I told my review crew, they about, it was January 1st. The book is due to come out March 1st. So on January 1st, I said, okay, the doors are open. You, you know, you can upload, you can download Jump Cut now. So by the way, I use the book funnel, which is a great new um, organization that can help people download a book, even if they don't know how to download a book. Oh, that is awesome. And I've never heard of that. Yeah. They're, they've just been around for about two or three months and it's seamless. It is so easy. It, it gives you directions to put it on your Kindle, even if you don't know the first thing about it or your, or an EPUB or a PDF book funnel, one word.com. Anyway, so I, I made it available. I started, I launched the contest on my email list. Then I did a, a cover reveal on the early January on Goodreads and also this Goddess Fish organization. They did a cute cover reveal, got a lot of eyeballs on it. I think it helped quite a bit um, get people. And I started and then I got um, the person who helps me with my social media um, did some really, well, she did a fabulous 20 second video on a whiteboard and she, she, that's her specialty. Oh, I saw that. That is, that is well done. Yes. Wasn't that cool? Yes. No music. It was just a ticking clock. And then the, then, then, then the bell goes off at the end. It's get ready, get ready. Yes. That was, and I, of course I'm watching it going, how did she do that? How did she do that? Oh, I didn't do it. I mean, I had it done and it was just great. Um, but that's her specialty. She loves doing whiteboard stuff. And then um, we did some, I, I asked my review crew, I said, tell me what some of the great lines in the book are 
funny, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they all came up, they came up with like four lines. So we did images with each um, that had the line and then an image. One was about how, you know, I'll never have a gray hair thanks to my great, my hairdresser. Another was about her father. She gets a lump in her throat because he's supposed to be ageless. And I started using those with Facebook ads, you know, where I would, uh, you know, just have the note, just have that, just have the, the one sentence quote and the image and on Twitter and on my Facebook page, just to get the word out. Mm -hmm. I wasn't selling anything and it was expensive because, you know, I was doing at least $5 ads and then I would do them for like three or four days. And then I would alternate that with the video. And then I do another quote for another three or four days. I'm on the last quote right now. Um, and then I'll go back to the video again. And where, uh, where do you send people when they, when they click yeah, on the ad? Interesting. For a while, I was sending them to my book page on my website because I, um, because I started a special deal. The pre-orders were kind of sluggish. So I started a special deal whereby if they pre-ordered the book for 99 cents and sent me confirmation, like the Amazon page that said, yes, you have pre-ordered, I would send them the first book in the Ellie series, An Eye for Murder, free. So they would get two thrillers for 99 cents. And that helped quite a bit. And I advertised that a lot. And that's when the pre-orders started to pick up. Um, and they picked up nicely. Um, you know, I know romance authors have thousands of pre-orders. Mm -hmm. I, I do not have even a thousand, but I have about 700, which for me is unbelievable. So, you know, for me, it, it was, it was pretty amazing. Well, I remember, uh, an email that you sent out. I don't remember when it was, but it, it, at that time it was, a, I mean, this was a few weeks ago. I think it was 500 and I'm like, holy cow, she's got 500 pre-orders on this already. So I, I think that's that extraordinary. Was just, that was just my email list. They really came through. Now you've got, to, I've had some real issues with, you know, everybody says you got to have an email list. You got to have an mm -hmm. email. List. They're going to be your gold. You know, that's that those are your avid fans. Well, not so much. I mean, in the past, when I've advertised or I've told my email list about something, they haven't really responded in the way that I would like. I mean, less than 30 percent, let's say, would have bought the book that I was hawking at the time. So I have, you know, mixed feelings about the um, uh, value of an email list because I think you get- well, let, me, let me stop you here for a minute. You said 30%. Is, is yeah. It, uh, anywhere around 30% buying something that you're hawking through an email list is extraordinary. Well, okay. Then it was, let's say 20%. Put it this way. My email list, when I started- was about 8,000 maybe, mm -hmm. 9,000, and of that I had 500 signups. So you do the math. Well, I, I think that's still pretty darn good. So that really helped. They really came through this time in, in, um, in spades. And, and one of the things you did, I, I just want to go back to the, the email message that you sent out. Uh, you you really made the case. You didn't just say, hey, my book's available for pre-order. Uh, go buy it. It's 99 cents. I mean, you laid out some reasons why they should buy it. You had this 
contest. There was a lot of work and thought that went into the email message. So anyone who was on the fence, I think, would would teeter towards saying, yeah, I'm going to go buy it. It's only 99 cents. At the same time, I also wanted to reach libraries and book clubs. Now, I've tried library outreach in the past, and I haven't had a whole lot of success because library, even with good reviews, libraries, there's no one central source in a library that orders books. It could be the library director in Kansas, in in Wichita. It could be the uh, research person in Ohio. It could be, you know, anybody in California. I, it, you just can't find a central source to send an email to or to tell them, mm-hmm. you know, I've got a new book out. So instead, what I'm doing is what I call a book club contest. And that um, has not really launched yet. I've sort of talked about it. But you know, it really hasn't taken off at all because the book's not out yet. Now, is and that your Skype thing? Yes. Okay. What and I'm you doing. you called that, let me, I've got it written down here. So the 50 book club Skype celebration. Correct. And that was not an original idea. There is a woman, oh, I named her Nomi. I forget her last name, Nomi, but I did give her credit in one of the emails I sent out. She did a hundred books. Skype uh, book club thing. And I think she's still doing them. She had some kind of hair product or it was, I don't know. I think it was a fiction book, but it had to do with Hannah was very popular and she sold gazillions of books that way. Um, well, you know, mine's a mystery. It's not women's fiction. So let's, let's get real here. I thought 50 (laughs) was, was stretching it quite a bit, but um, I am going to try and get book clubs to sign up for a Skype uh, for a Skype appearance with me, and that's great because instead of doing a big tour, I'll do book clubs. Now I did make an investment, and um, do you know BookReporter.com, Carol mm-hmm. Fitzgerald? Well, I did take out an ad, not an ad, but. Uh, an announcement in bookreporter.com about um, Jump Cut, and it was in their reading group guides, which is what their book clubs turn to, to get ideas of what to read. And I'm giving away 50 books at when they, when they come out, and I was also able to mention the Skype contest. So when I get the addresses for those 50 books and where they go, I will hopefully be able to follow up with those 50 people and say, hey, what would you think? Would you like to do a book club thing? All right. This is a great place to, to just take a breath and, and from a high level, look down at all the work you're doing here. I mean, the work, the management, the follow-up, uh, <laughs> all of this – and, and, you know, there are going to be some people out there listening that still feel like all they have to do is write the book. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I need a vacation. <laughs> it, we talked before we came on the air, and you said, I'm so exhausted, I can't wait until March 1st when the book comes <laughs> out because I'll be done. And I said, oh, wait a minute, what about the Skype book clubs? And you kind of sighed and said, well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> So if all goes well, that's another 50 presentations that you'll be doing. Yeah, but, but 
it's more fun. I mean, like you and I are chatting now. Um, oh, there was one other thing. Poison Pan did get kind of excited after the starred review from PW came out. And they did an ad on Shelf Awareness, which is uh, a bookseller and a reader uh, newsletter that comes out twice a week. And they did um, a GIF, an animated GIF on that, announcing that they that readers could win a free book. And that was really much more toward libraries and booksellers. We just wanted to get the word out. So um, I was able to get the, the number of people who signed up for a free book, and I will add them to my email list, and hopefully that'll be nice. There were a lot more than I thought. Um, now, this is a somewhat unique situation where Poison Pen has the print rights to the book and you own the digital rights. So you're, you're able to do – you're able to spend money and make your own decisions on, on your own marketing, which I guess we, we right. all can do, uh, but with, with the understanding that most of the digital money is coming back to you. It, it, you're not splitting that with a publisher, and the publisher can do whatever they want to do. Right. We cooperated on a couple of – things on on the book reporter because it's so expensive Mm -hmm. and we also um cooperated on the shelf awareness ad you know when you have a small publisher you can do things like that yes and you know the question if 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 your listeners if you know what to do and you're with a small publisher don't hesitate to suggest you know, ideas and, and projects that your small publisher can do with you. And don't hesitate to say, let's go 50-50 on the funding because, you know, small publishers don't have a whole lot of marketing dollars as we don't either. And, you know, I'm I'm literally spending the house on this. I don't know why. It's just it. I'm, I'm doing a lot. Oh, oh, I forgot one important thing mm-hmm. <laughs> um, on launch week. I bought tons of ads on the different kinds of websites that offer, that have their own email lists to offer suggestions to their readers. So I'll have four or five promotions a day on the first four or five days. Four or five a day. Wow. Yeah, I have a whole list. And where did you, where did you, find this list of people to talk to about this? Well, actually, Cheryl Bradshaw, who your listeners yes. may know. Yeah, Cheryl's been on the show. Uh, has a list on her website. That's of, right. She does. Yeah. And I started with that. Another person on one of the user groups that I'm a member of had another list, and I kind of combined them and went from there. So I, I had, you know, some of them I disqualified because I just didn't think, you know, their Alexa rankings weren't that great. You all know about Alexa, right? Well, let's, let's talk about Alexa because some people don't know. Okay. Well, if you're trying to see how popular a blog is or a website that advertises, there are two different places you can go that will give you that information. One is Alexa.com and the other is SimilarWeb.com. And either one of those will give you feedback on how popular that website is. Now, that does not include the emails that they send out to their registered members, but it will give you an idea of how many people other than their e-list, their email list, 
go to the website. And, and that's do, good enough for me. Do you ever find, and I, I may wind up cutting this out because it's, I'm not sure whether I should even ask the question or not, but do you ever find uh, that, that when you go to a website and they tell you on their marketing page or their About Us page how many visitors they have and then you check those rankings and you go, whoa, they're full of it? Right. That happens a lot. Yeah, okay. And so, yeah, these are and, – and they're not you – know, we all have websites, and we all know how much traffic we get, and – it's easy to go to Alexa and compare what Alexa says about your website to the traffic that you're getting or, or similar web. So it's not 100% accurate, but it's not wildly inaccurate either. Right. It just sort of gives you a baseline. Yes. And, you know, I would eliminate certain websites because of that. And then there's always some new ones. There are new ones pouring in all the time. Then there were a couple that didn't want me because I didn't have any reviews. And I said, well, I can, you know, I'm pretty confident I'll have 25 reviews by March 1st because the root. Oh, this is an important point. And it, again, this was not my idea, but it was Mark Dawson, who mm -hmm. you may be familiar with. Mark's been on the show. Yeah, Mark's terrific. And that is that Prior to your launch date, particularly if you're self-published and you're doing it all yourself, you actually have what you call a soft launch. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. have it two or three days before your official launch. And during those two or three days, that's when your review crew publishes your the reviews that they've written about your book. And you have to be very organized about it and let them know when you want them in advance by email you know, I want you to post here on these two days and then we'll go wide with the launch. And thank you very much. And there's another point I really need to mention. And that is that Amazon is thinking about removing reviews that do not have a verified purchase designation. Mm -hmm. And most of your review crew, if you're sending them a free advance copy, are not going to have an advance a verified purchase uh, designation. Um, I have asked, Mark Dawson suggested this. He said, ask your crew to buy the book when they post the review and make it 99 cents so that they're not pay paying a fortune for it. Yeah, and Mark, and Mark mentioned that on our show. And I actually, I, I heard from some some authors who were questioning that because it's it seems unfair to have someone as a part of your review crew and as a part of the deal is you're giving them the book. But as Mark said, they're more than willing to do it. It's only 99 cents and they're only, they're doing this because they want to help you and they right. want to help get the word out about the book. So yeah, ask. You know, what can they say? I've, I have gotten a couple of emails where people have said, I can't afford it. And I'm like, what are you doing on email? You know, what are you doing on the internet with a connection? And, you know, if you can't afford 99 cents, but no, I don't say that. I'm just, but I was surprised that they were very helpful. They were very, um, I didn't get a lot of complaints. No, at that, all. that is a really great point. Now, what, one thing that Mark does is, you know, immediately after those people have the opportunity to buy for 99 cents, the price goes up to the full price. Right. You're, you're taking a different approach. You're, you're going to leave it out there for I'm trying six days. To get volume. I'm trying to get volume mm -hmm. the first week. Um, and then something just happened, which I did not expect. And then I have a book bub on March 7th. 
which is a week after the book comes out, not for that book, mm-hmm. but I'm an eye for murder. The one that I was offering. Okay. For the first free- book in the series. Yeah. The okay. first book in the series is going to be free on BookBub March 7th. So I'm hoping that that will have a spillover effect to jump cut. I, I suspect it will. This is just a, a really good and well thought out plan. Thank you. Well, I was trying to get a book bub for Jump Cut, and they kept ref- they kept you know refusing me. And they said we really don't do new books. We mm-hmm. really want to do backlist books. I'm like, oh please, please, please! I promise <laughs> I'll be good. You can have my daughter too. You know. <laughs> and they still turn me down. I suspect so, this will work out just fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I I finally said okay. All right, you're not going to do Jump Cut. What if I did my first book free? And they said, sure. <laughs> it was that fast. I got an answer at like 12 hours. And it's cheaper, yeah. And it's cheaper, so we'll see. All right, you're also doing a Goodreads contest, right? Yeah, that's over. Okay. That's over. That was beginning. Yeah, I just gave – I did a Goodreads giveaway, which is which is great. It's great to – it's a great – thing to do it really gets you know the name of the book out there and i gave away three copies and those are they have probably received them by now i wouldn't expect to get any reviews from the books that you give away on goodreads uh but it is good for getting buzz and here's the interesting thing i had it out you know there's all sorts of different theories on how long to leave it on goodreads for pre for 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 a book that hasn't come out yet, mm-hmm. some people say two weeks, some people say four weeks. I've seen some that have been up for months. I used two and a half weeks, and I was really kind of disappointed that, like two days or three days before it ended, I only had something like three hundred and fifty people signing up for it. And then when I looked after it closed, all of a sudden it was up to like nine hundred and seventy five. <laughs> I was like. What happened? <laughs> I have no idea what happened. All right, so so you I, left it up for two and a half weeks after it closed. No, I just left it out for uh, two and a half weeks. Period. Okay. All right. I guess people ordered in the last couple of days. You know, before it, it. You know, they they must have gotten this book will not be available after blah blah blah, and mm-hmm. they decided to do it. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I will be running. Facebook ads on the week that it's 99 cents. And, and those then, ads will go where? Um, I have targeted, uh, I have four ads that I've targeted to different audiences, both readers, people who are interested in the issues that mm-hmm. Jump Cut explores. Um, and I'm toying with the idea of doing one to book clubs and uh, librarians. Okay. I and- may- I may do something like that. But when they click on the ad, is it? Are you taking them to a to a buy page on your website with with links to all the different digital stores, or are you sending them right to Amazon? I think it depends on the on the traffic. It depends on the target. Okay. With okay. like with librarians and book clubs, yes, I will send them to my website. With um, readers, uh, you know, of people like um, Mary Higgins Clark or um, Tammy Hogue, I'll probably send them directly to Amazon. All right. One last thing, because we've sort of gone over. I am, uh, again, for some reason or other, before we came onto the air, you and I were talking and, and we travel in the same digital circles. And I've been aware of you for a long time. We've never talked 
Um, prior to reading Jump Cut, I'd never read any of your books, and I really didn't know anything about you other than what I saw online. But I am a subscriber to your YouTube channel. And <laughs> don't ask me why. I just am. I, I like I like seeing the way people do book trailers and, and book marketing. And you did something that I thought was totally unique, and I really loved it, which was a drive around or like a drive-by tour of oh, your right. character's world. Right. Right, I did I love that. that. Yeah, that was that was one of my iMovie creations. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can take you can take the girl out of the video world, but you can't take the video world out of the girl. I I did. I and I made my daughter uh, drive while I had my iPhone sticking out of my sticking out of the window, <laughs> taking a picture of those houses. And then I ran into the bar and then I ran into the grocery store and did a couple of pans there. And, you know, it was fun. That, that's, that stuff is the fun stuff. And it was just that easy. It's just taking your yeah. phone out, driving by some houses, importing it into iMovie and, and narrating yeah. it. And then, and then I had to download some music. I think the most expensive part was downloading the music. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but that was fun. I, I enjoyed doing that. It was like, okay, here, you know, I thought you might like to see where Ellie hangs out. It's so. one of those things. I mean, you hear people talk about book trailers and people say, oh, I did them. And they sort of shrug and they don't know whether they worked or not. And some of them you see, and they're just awful. And others you see, oh, that's pretty good. But I, I'd not seen anything like that before. And I, I really, I really well, liked thanks. it. I have not. Well, see, now that you said that, I'm going to have to figure out some ways to merchandise it some more because I'm just sort of it's on my website. It's on the front page of the website of my website. Um, and but I haven't really done anything with it. So maybe I'll, I'll get some. That's a great idea. Thank you. Let's stick it up <laughs> on. Do you, as a matter of course, put your videos both on YouTube and on Facebook? Yes. OK. Always. And what gets more traffic? Facebook. Yeah, I, I think I didn't realize that. that it, it seems like Facebook in general just gets uh, yeah. a, a great deal more traffic for video than Yeah, than they said they wanted to surpass YouTube, and um, who knows? They probably will. Oh, it's a little longer than um, an ad should be. I mean, the, the, the tour is like a minute 40, mm -hmm. so I'm not going to use them in ads, but I'll probably, you know, just kind of put them in different places. You know, it would be fun if we could touch base again in like a month oh, and just do a, like a 10 minute, here's how it went okay. kind of thing. So well, I, you're going to have to track me down. On I'm going to track you down in one of your, Hey, I live in Florida. So where are you going? I, I may show up there with a camera. You're in Naples, right? I am. Oh my God, I'm gonna be. That's exactly where I'm gonna be. All April. right, so we'll we'll set a date to meet at the beach, and uh, you can fix your hair that day, and and we'll do it there. Oh, that would be really fun. <laughs> that, that'll be great. It's the middle of April. We'll be in oh, touch. Oh, awesome. And uh, the middle of April is, is the single best time to come down here because the weather is always fabulous, and the, some of the crowds have gone home. Oh, great. Well, it's a date. Libby, thank you so much for being with us today. You've been very generous with your time and with all of this information. Uh, and I, I really look forward to touching base with you again and just sort of seeing how it all worked out. Thank you, Stephen. It's been a pleasure.